Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Frank Strong's. Brewed like beer, tastes like lemonade. Welcome to Thinker Girl, the pod channel. I'm Stacey June. And I am Christy Mercer. Hello and welcome to a V-Big Week of International Women's Day. We are celebrating. That's right. Uh, if you're not familiar with how our pod channel works, we drop all different shows across the week on this one feed. You can subscribe and leave us a comment. We would very much appreciate it. And today we have a different version of the 411 where we talk about all the things that are going on across the world with pop culture, fashion, entertainment that's relevant to us. Yeah, and what is more relevant than ever today and this week is International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. So all of the shows right across this week and you can go back and listen to um, the one we did yesterday actually about gaslighting and the real reason. Maybe well, the we, Monday. Monday yeah, it dropped. Behind the reason women fake orgasms. Um, there will be another one coming up later in the week. We're going to be speaking to an anti-trafficking advocate, Somme Mam. That'll drop tomorrow, yes. Thursday. Yep. But today, what everybody is talking about and what we are talking about in terms of pop culture um, are the moments that we felt really proud to be a woman. Yeah, there's just particular parts... We were thinking about how to how to generate content or the types of discussions that we wanted to have through this week. And the 411 podcast has really been about what's relevant and what's evoked some kind of opinion or emotion in us of the news and everything that's happening. So we thought that we'd cut back to all of those incredible speeches by different women across the last few years of our lives that have, in, that have inspired us, that have opened something that... I guess we probably don't even know the true result of in that moment. Mm. You know, I think that these types of speeches and these types of moments that we're going to share with you on today's today's episode really sit and marinate for the rest of your life in some cases. Yeah, not to mention I think it depends what situations and conversations you're in too. Like if it's planted a little something in you, that might come up 10 years down the track Now we've got you remember a bit from a speech. Yeah, 100%. And this is going to evoke so much emotion and and I guess for some of us memory. For some of you, you may be hearing this for the first time. But we've got six incredible uh, speeches and addresses from women that have inspired us that have left us fist pumping the air. And the first one we want to start with is, of course, the infamous, I think it's incredibly poignant and memorable in Australian history, is the Julia Gillard misogyny speech. Mm -hmm. For me, I remember calling my girlfriend who is very well versed with politics and I said to her, thank God. First Prime Minister, first female Prime Minister, I didn't think that she needed to necessarily get up and speak about her gender every day. But up until this point, I had felt like it had been very, very silenced, the fact that she was a woman and that she Mm -hmm. did have this voice. And then when I I came across this speech, I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't just need to hear that from you, but 
Everyone in this country needed to hear that. Okay, let's hear it. The question is that the motion be agreed to. I call the Prime Minister. Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker, and I rise to oppose the motion moved by the Leader of the Opposition. And in so doing, I say to the Leader of the Opposition, I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. And the government will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. Not now, not ever. Let's go through the opposition leader's repulsive double standards, repulsive double standards when it comes to misogyny and sexism. We are now supposed to take seriously that the leader of the opposition is offended by Mr Slipper's text messages. When this is the leader of the opposition who has said, and this was when he was a minister under the last government, not when he was a student, not when he was in high school, when he was a minister under the last government. He has said, and I quote, in a discussion about uh, women being underrepresented in institutions of power in Australia, the interviewer was a man called Stavros. The Leader of the Opposition says, if it's true, Stavros, that men have more power, generally speaking, than women, is that a bad thing? <laughs> and then a discussion ensues and another person being interviewed says, I want my daughter to have as much opportunity as my son. To which the Leader of the Opposition says, yeah, I completely agree, but what if men are by physiology or temperament more adapted to exercise authority or to issue command? Then uh, ensues another discussion about women's role in modern society and the uh, other person participating in the discussion says, I think it's very hard to deny that there is an underrepresentation of women, to which the Leader of the Opposition says, but now there's an assumption that this is a bad thing. This is the man from whom we're supposed to take lectures about sexism. And then, of course, it goes on. I was very offended personally when the Leader of the Opposition, as Minister for Health, said, and I quote, abortion is the easy way out. I was very personally offended by those comments. You said that in March 2004. I suggest you check the records. I was also very offended on behalf of the women of Australia when, in the course of uh, uh, this uh, carbon pricing campaign, the Leader of the Opposition said, when the housewives of Australia need to do what the housewives of Australia need to understand as they do the ironing. Thank you for that painting of women's roles in modern Australia. And then, of course, I was offended too by the sexism, by the misogyny of the Leader of the Opposition catcalling across this table at me as I sit here as Prime Minister. If the Prime Minister wants to, politically speaking, make an honest woman of herself, something that would never have been said to any man sitting in this chair. I was offended when the Leader of the Opposition went outside in the front of Parliament and stood next to a sign that said, Ditch the Witch. I was offended when the Leader of the Opposition stood next to a sign that described me as a man's bitch. I was offended by those things. Misogyny, sexism, every day from this Leader of the Opposition. Every day, in every way. Woo, baby girl! Yeah, it's yes. um, it gets me every time. I, mean, I, 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 cl I, I clench my 
pelvis or something. There's <laughs> some, there was some kind of something going on over there. I can see you phys- like you physically react listening. And I think I still get mad and I actually am thinking, well, hearing that back makes me miss her. Mm. It makes me miss the presence of a woman like that in that yeah, power. Yeah, far out. Could she come back? Mm, nope. Okay. I don't think she wants to. Listen to all the crap she (laughs) had to go through. Why would you? Okay. Next up um, is a speech by Emma Watson. This was like shortly after she was named as um, the UN um, Goodwill Ambassador for Women. And remember this speech was from a couple of years ago. She was hosting an event um, for, do you remember the He for She campaign? Mm. So it was all about approaching feminism in a different way. And I think... What I and I think a lot of people really loved and resonated about this speech with Emma Watson was the fact that she really took it back to basics. She Mm. actually says, what is feminism? Mm. Because she was questioning why there is such adversity and controversy around a word that we all actually are on board with the meaning of. Mm. So she said, let's get away from the word itself and let's get to the core of what it actually means, which if you are a decent person, you want your daughter to have the same rights as your son. Let's hear it. And the more I've spoken about feminism, the more I have realised that fighting for women's rights has too often become synonymous with man-hating. If there is one thing I know for certain, it is that this has to stop. For the record, feminism, by definition, is the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. It is the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. But my recent research has shown me that feminism has become an unpopular word. Women are choosing not to identify as feminist. Apparently, I am among the ranks of women whose expressions are seen as too strong, too aggressive, isolating, and anti-men, unattractive even. Why has the word become such an uncomfortable one? I am from Britain, and I think it is right that I am paid the same as my male counterparts. I think it is right that I should be able to make decisions about my own body. I think... I think it is right that women be involved on my behalf in the policies and the decisions that will affect my life. I think it is right that socially I am afforded the same respect as men. But sadly, I can say that there is no one country in the world where all women can expect to receive these rights. And if you still hate the word, it is not the word that is important. It's the idea and the ambition behind it. Yeah, it is really interesting when you lose all of the fuss Mm. and you take it back to Simple Simon because 
there's very few people that can argue with that. Oh, and it was just so good. I feel like everybody listened to that speech and just went, oh, yeah, no, duh. Yeah, duh. yeah. you feel like a dum-dum if you were arguing with a few of those points because it is very simple. Maya Angelou is a poet, an activist, uh, an actress, a musician and a probably one of the earliest hardcore feminists that I came across. But mm. hardcore is probably the wrong word because the thing that I love about Maya Angelou is, and she's like, was Oprah's second mum, like, mm. was that she was hardcore in the most feminine, graceful, kind just considered way. Mm. Maya Angelou did an address at Bill Clinton's presidential inauguration in 1993. Mm. And it is, it's poetry. So it is, you've got to concentrate when you listen. But it was just so beautiful. And it was such a moment where so many people take that moment to spread their message or spread a message that they want to spread to the country or Mm. therefore it's the United States or the world in such a Most of them are quite fist-pumping, more aggressive, you know, let's do this, yeah, yeah, you know, it can all be very chanty and big and American, Mm. whereas she took her opportunity to express what she wanted to do, what she wanted to say through poetry. Mm. And what I took from it was this new way of looking at things that, that, and it's similar to Emma Watson in that she was speaking quite simply, Mm. but through poetry it's always... You always take it the way that you take it. It's so personal. And the way I took it was that she encouraged you to look up and look at your neighbour. Look around you, look forward, Mm. don't look back. Mm. I don't know if you guys will enjoy it, but I think this is, it's a moment in time and I think she shifted us to a different place. I the rock, I the river, I the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Lift up your faces. You have a piercing need for this bright morning dawning for you. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. But if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Lift up your eyes upon this day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. Women, children, men, take it into the palms of your hands. Mold it into the shape of your most private need, sculpted into the image of your most public self. Lift up your heart. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. Do not be wedded forever to fear, yoked eternally to brutishness. The horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Here, on the pulse of this fine day, you may have the courage to look up and out and upon me, the rock, the river, the tree, your country, no less to Midas than the mendicant, no less to you now than the mastodon then. Here, on the pulse of this new day, you may have the grace to look up and out and into your sister's eyes and into your brother's face, your country, and say simply, very simply, with hope, good morning. I love the way she talks. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's like meditation. 
Are you guys still there? <laughs> Wake up! Okay, we need to make sure, hang on, before we go any further, we almost forgot to do this, we need to let everybody know about the people that are helping us put this pod channel together. We're going to be back in like a few seconds. Yes, here are our sponsor for this month. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sponsor. <laughs> oh, we live for weekends, especially Saturdays. Sleeping in, staying up late. Daydreaming, adventure seeking. That's right, all play and no work. But we believe your skin should feel as good as you do when you wake up refreshed, happy, healthy, and bright. Yeah, developed to reveal your clearest, dewiest complexion Saturday skin. It's basically a weekend in a bottle. Make every day your Saturday with Saturday Skin. It's available at Maya or you can buy it at www.saturdayskin.net. Plus, you can use the promo code TG in capitals for your 10% discount. Seriously. No, you need to wake up for this one because there is no freaking way we could do a podcast or have a conversation about moments over the last however many years that have inspired us to be a whim, uh, to be women and, and look past Oprah's very recent speech. Mm, it was just after the Me Too campaign had really truly taken its straps and she got up there and just did it in a way that only Oprah can do where she includes everybody, she's clear, she's succinct, and she's powerful. Reese Taylor, a name I know and I think you should know too. In 1944, Reese Taylor was a young wife and a mother. She was just walking home from a church service. She'd attended in Abbeville, Alabama, when she was abducted by six armed white men, raped and left blindfolded by the side of the road, coming home from church. They threatened to kill her if she ever told anyone. But her story was reported to the NAACP where a young worker by the name of Rosa Parks became the lead investigator on her case. And together, they sought justice. But justice wasn't an option in the era of Jim Crow. The men who tried to destroy her were never persecuted. Reese Taylor died 10 days ago, just shy of her 98th birthday. She lived as we all have lived too many years in a culture broken by brutally powerful men. For too long, women have not been heard or believed if they dared to speak their truth to the power of those men. But their time is up. Their time is up. Your time is up. And I just hope, I just hope that Reese Taylor died knowing that her truth, like the truth of so many other women who were tormented in those years, and even now tormented, goes marching on. It was somewhere in Rosa Parks' heart almost 11 years later when she made the decision to stay seated on that bus in Montgomery. And it's here with every woman who chooses to say, me too. And every man, every man who chooses to listen. In my career, what I've always tried my best to do, whether on television or through film, is to say something 
about how men and women really behave, to say how we experience shame, how we love and how we rage, how we fail, how we retreat, persevere, and how we overcome. I've interviewed and portrayed people who've withstood some of the ugliest things life can throw at you, but the one quality all of them seem to share is an ability to maintain hope for a brighter morning, even during our darkest nights. So I want all the girls watching here and now to know that a new day is on the horizon. And when that new day finally dawns, it will be because of a lot of magnificent women, many of whom are right here in this room tonight, and some pretty phenomenal men fighting hard to make sure that they become the leaders who take us to the time when nobody ever has to say me too again oh that bitch <laughs> i can't i that just bitch. cannot get enough of her uh, it's just everything about even the even her voice like her tone and the way she's demanding that we that we listen yeah oh, i'll listen i'll listen to her tell me how to put vegemite on my toast so i couldn't i was just give listen to whatever she says okay um next up let's talk about uh another moment in time that made us really proud to be women and that is a speech that hillary clinton gave back in 2016 her concession speech so basically just after um trump had been named as uh president of the united states i think what i took away and it's similar to what you were saying about um maya earlier in that she was very gracious and valiant in defeat. She was quite vulnerable, actually, which I'd forgotten about till re-listening to it, mm. where she said, this is painful and it will be painful for a really long time, but we have to accept this result and we have to look forward. I kind of loved that she wasn't like, yeah, well, we'll have another crack. It was really like, no, we've spent a lot of time and love and energy into this and it really hurts. And of course, we can't forget the address that she made to the, to the little girls of the world watching. I know how disappointed you feel because I feel it too. And so do tens of millions of Americans who invested their hopes and dreams in this effort. This is painful and it will be for a long time. But I want you to remember this. Our campaign was never about one person or even one election. It was about the country we love and about building an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. We have seen that our nation is more deeply divided than we thought. But I still believe in America, and I always will. And if you do, then we must accept this result and then look to the future. And to the young people in particular, I hope you will hear this. I have, as Tim said, spent my entire adult life fighting for what I believe in. I've had successes and I've had setbacks, sometimes really painful ones. Many of you are at the beginning of your professional, public, and political careers. You will have successes and setbacks too. This loss hurts, but please 
Never stop believing that fighting for what's right is worth it. And to all the women, and especially the young women, who put their faith in this campaign and in me, I want you to know that nothing has made me prouder than to be your champion. still not shattered that highest and hardest glass ceiling, but someday someone will, and hopefully sooner than we might think right now. And, and to all the little girls who are watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Yeah, I, I truly forgot as well about the power in that speech, but I, I think you expect to, to hear something from Hillary and get a certain type of power from her speech. The power I got was that she was going to go look after herself. Mm. And that spoke so strongly to me at that point in my life. Well, I when remember. she said about the glass ceiling bit. And she was just, but also she was like, I, you could tell she was going to go away for a bit. Mm. And I, there was such respect there because I think as women we really do forget, especially when we're in a cause or we've got a goal mm. or ambition, we forget to look after ourselves and you could tell that she had done what she had could do mm. and she needed now some time to heal. And I just kind of looked and went, you look after yourself as well as trying to do good in this mm. world. And that was something I took out of that speech. Yes, uh, Okay, the last, the last speech that I wanted to share today with you guys is Brene Brown's speech on vulnerability. Now, if you're a massive uh, podcast listener, you will be like, is this Stacey's speech? Because I feel like there are so many elements of this 20-minute uh, TED Talk that Brene Brown did many moons ago now that I use in my day-to-day -day life and in a lot of the stuff that we do with the Thinker Girls. I know you're a, you are a massive fan and, as you say, I reckon it would be at least every single day there would be something that comes up about this woman or her teachings that you are actually incorporating in your day-to-day, hour-by-hour life. What I think is so great to know about Brene before we play it to you is that she is a researcher and scientist. So a lot of you that potentially are a bit, oh, that might be a bit higgledy-piggledy for me or too far this way, she has an ability to really meet in the middle. You know, she has the stats mm -hmm. as well as having the spirituality. And I respect that about her. And I think that's why we should all listen because she's taken, she's considered both sides mm. here and comes up with a really, really clear response to how we should be approaching vulnerability. And so here's what I found. What they had in common was a sense of courage. And I want to separate courage and bravery for you for a minute. Courage, the original definition of courage, when it first came into the English language, it's from the Latin word cur, meaning heart. And the original definition was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. And so these folks had, very simply, the courage to be imperfect. They had the compassion 
to be kind to themselves first and then to others because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly. And the last was they had connection, and this was the hard part, as a result of authenticity. They were willing to let go of who they thought they should be in order to be who they were, which is you have to absolutely do that for connection. The other thing that they had in common was this. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. They didn't talk about vulnerability being comfortable nor did they really talk about it being excruciating, as I had heard earlier in the shame interviewing. They just talked about it being necessary. They talked about the willingness to say, I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram the willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. I personally thought it was betrayal. Um, I could not believe I had pledged allegiance to research where our job, you know, the definition of research is to control, control and predict, to study phenomenon for the, reason, for the ex explicit reason to control and predict. And now my very you know, my mission to control and predict had turned up the answer that the way to live is with vulnerability and to stop controlling and predicting. This led to a little breakdown, <laughs> which actually looked more like this. Um, and it did. It led to a, I call it a breakdown, my therapist calls it a spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening sounds better than breakdown, but I assure you it was a breakdown. And I had to put my data away and go find a therapist. Let me tell you something. You know who you are when you call your friends and say, I think I need to see somebody who, do you have any recommendations? Because about five of my friends are like, woo, I wouldn't want to be your therapist. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, I'm just saying, you know, like, don't bring your measuring stick. Uh, Okay, so I found a therapist. My first meeting with her, Diana, I brought in my list of the way the wholehearted live. And I sat down and she said, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm great, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And she said, what's going on? And I said, and this is a therapist who sees therapists because we have to go to those because their BS meters are good. Um, <laughs> And so I said, here's the thing, I'm struggling. And she said, what's the struggle? And I said, well, I have a vulnerability issue. And, you know, and I know that vulnerability is kind of the core of shame and fear and our struggle for worthiness. But it appears that it's also the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of belonging, of love. And I, I think I have a problem. And I just, I need some help. And I said, but here's the thing, no family stuff, no childhood shit. I just, I just need some strategies. 
Thank you. Um, so she goes like this. And then I said, it's bad, right? And she said, it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And I said, oh my god, this is going to suck. Um, and it did, and it didn't. Um, and it took about a year. And you know how there are people that, like, when they realize that vulnerability and tenderness are important, that they kind of surrender and walk into it? A, that's not me. And B, I don't even hang out with people like that. Um, for me, it was a year-long street fight. It was a slugfest. Vulnerability pushed, I pushed back. I lost um, the fight, but probably won my life back. Oh, that, wow. Now that is power. Look, but it is looking at it in a different way. Because I think so often we're brought up and we're told that strength and courage looks a particular way. Yeah. And it, as women, I think that's why I wanted to share that as well, because mm -hmm. she's speaking to the world. But I think as women, we lost a little bit of that version of our feminine vulnerability. And it can come out in many different ways. It's not one fits all for all chicks. It's your version of vulnerability. But I think that it's important that we start owning it and start putting power behind it mm -hmm. instead of uh, feeling like it's a weakness. Mm. And I th and I think that that's a great way to wrap up today's show. Oh, my God, is it ever. Oh, this week, I just have all of the feels. <laughs> I don't even really know. I don't even really know how to sum it up, apart from the fact that I feel really proud to be a woman just sitting here across from you, P.S. Oh, it's likewise, Oh, bro. yeah. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to have a teary because, no, I genuinely... I wake up every single day and it's just, it's pretty amazing that it is a given that you go to work and you come to this podcast studio and I sit across from you and it's not always easy. No. Like what we do and what we have done and what we've, and what, like so many other people, so many other women, but what we've actually had to overcome to really be sure in our passion for the message that we spread and and our, our friendship and love of support, not just of each other, but of all women and all people, I think I feel, yeah, I think I feel really freaking proud of that today more than any day. Today I feel like I feel that, oh, for me, I have really sat in, I guess, the, the difficulties that we've had to overcome over the past few months. I think, and I am very proud, but I'm, I'm sitting in a really realistic viewpoint and that viewpoint is starting very, very slowly, but starting again to creep in to motivate me to do bigger and better change more than ever. Mm. Just like we spoke about Hillary early on, I felt like it was a bit of a blow. Mm. Um, and I think in some ways I thought that there were many ways we were going to change things in a certain way that we thought that they should be changed. And the fact that we're still sitting here continuing to do the same conversation in a different room means that, you know, you trust the path, but I think it is important to discuss the struggle and discuss mm. that we are still in a place in order for us to have a conversation about our lives, about what affects us, about what's important to women is still a difficult thing to do. It's not easy. There are so many men that are having conversations across from someone else without the same mm. hurdles that we've had. And so whilst it has been a bit of a, a tricky kind of pit, I felt like, 
where we were really thrown some big hurdles, I've started again to see that it's turning into motivation. You know what our favourite time of the week is? That is when we get to go live with you, our posse, and chat about whatever you guys want. We absolutely love going live on Facebook, but you'll only get notified that we're online if you follow us, the Thinker Girls, on Facebook. Yeah, we get to say hello to you, give you guys an update on hashtag our lives, and answer the questions that you've been dying to ask us. So once a week, make sure that you hang in on the Thinker Girls Facebook page to find out when you can find us. This podcast is brought to you by Frank Strong's Craft Brewed Alcoholic Lemonade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 